You're listening to the Film Cafe podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Anton, and this is 2005's Where the Wild Things Are, directed by Spike Jones, screenplay by Spike Jones and Dave Eggers, adapted from the children's book by Maurice Sendak. In this episode, I talk about being a kid, imagination, and reflect on my time working in education. Uh, this episode sort of felt like therapy, uh, but overall it was fun reflecting back on what it meant to be a kid and kind of the big emotions uh, that you go through um, as you explore the world in your imagination. Without any further ado, this is Where the Wild Things Are. So let's start at the beginning. Very first memories of the story where the wild things are. Um, I remember my kindergarten teacher reading it to our class in a large circle on the rug, um, and it wasn't until I was an adult and I started working in classrooms um, as a teacher um, in big groups, small groups, one-on-one settings um, that I got a chance to read it to students. Um, beautiful book absolutely gorgeous illustrations but much of the story takes place kind of between the words um and it is, it is very short so when i was doing my research and found out that spike jones had done this movie um i was curious how he was able to expand on a story that was so short um so in my research uh, i did find out that he uh, was in contact with marie sendak um he definitely wanted to capture the tone and the emotional residence of Max's journey while being true to the story um, and expanding upon it. Because um, much of it is in is between the lines, right? Where it's very much through Max's point of view and how a world of imagination can grow from an otherwise um, real-world experience. Conflict with your mom, conflict with a family member. Um, and I was just very curious like how he was going to um, execute that. Um, that being said, I love the movie. Um, I love everything that he, that Spike Jones captured as far as uh, the direction, the color palette, uh, the editing. Um, and Spike Jones and the writer, his, uh, his co-writer Dave Eggers, um, used dialogue so precisely in this movie um, where it captured the way that the story um, read out all the while being very efficient and emotionally resident with um, every choice of words that he used. So some of my favorite moments um, and some of my favorite things that Spike Jones did with the movie um, was his ability to use scope and scale, um, using smallness and bigness, using that contrast um, to give uh, emotional weight to a lot of scenes and a lot of moments. Um, I think one of my favorite moments is, um, or at least one of my favorite devices he uses is Max's point of view, um, where you're Max, you're much younger, um, and you have these towering adults, and you're looking upon them, um, looking for answers, looking for comfort. And in the way that Spike Jones um, frames and captures that looking up uh, point of view really adds weight to um, kind of the... Uh, the curiosity and wonder um, and even confusion that children have. Um, he then uses a lot of that, the same techniques um, in the opposite direction um, to 
give the scope and scale to the wild things as he experience as they experience max right um as the movie goes on um you do get a, uh, a sense that the wild things do have agency even though they are representative of something that max is going through um they are given the point of view for the audience at least to feel the things that max is trying to say and convey through his experiences with the wild things and i feel like scope and scale was used so excellently by spike jones um to have you feel those moments uh, along with uh, spike jones's ability to use scope scale um and the um uh, the weight of what you're seeing on on screen um his use of color and lighting uh, definitely adds to that um some of my favorite moments are in the forest with the wild things um where he uses a lot of light that's evocative of certain seasons um and then those seasons in and of itself within the story are conveying an emotional moment whether that's um spring and a new sun um learning something new about yourself learning um having new experiences blossoming relationships um or winter when things become cold and the snow is falling um and the there is a sense of despair with not just the character itself but the entire shift of the scenery um max is in a world of his imagination so for the environment itself to shift and change as his emotions shift and change um, is all beautifully captured with the way that Spike Jones uh, allows the seasons to be characters in them of itself. Uh, and lastly, um, the music. So the soundtrack was written by Karen O of the Yeah, yeah Yeahs. Um, she has a very distinct voice, very distinct style of music. Um, and it works so well with the movie. Um, at the start of the movie, you're immediately um, introduced to Max and um, being a kid, playing. Um, all paired very well, very beautifully with uh, Karen O's music, where it's very hectic, very energetic, animalistic. Um, and it really sets the tone and sets your emotional, um, kind of emotional anchor and emotional um context of what max is feeling in that moment um yes there's a lot of moments where there's a lot of energy but there are a lot of solo moments um somber moments that she captures very well um sort of in a dreamy um dreamlike quality to either living in the forest or being by herself um or even by the beach so there's definitely a calmness to uh, her musical choices um, in, uh, in contrast with a lot of the energy and hectic, um, playful, um, choices she uses, um, when Max is feeling a certain way where he's very, uh, high energy, um, and then also when he's very low energy. So some of the broad concepts, um, and big ideas, uh, big takeaways that I had, um, from the movie, um, were about being a kid, um, what it means to be lonely. And sometimes that the only thing you can do to escape um, is through your imagination. Um, I mean, being a kid, you're learning the world for the first time. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these experiences are brand new to you. Um, yeah, there is a familiarity with um, certain uh, basic emotional states, right? Happiness, sadness, anger, um, but those states 
often change um, in subtle ways from year to year of your life. Um, and Max is at a very uh, interesting point in his life where um, he has had a lot of things happen to him um, and he has a, had a lot of joy and a lot of sadness. Um, but the experience of loneliness changes over time and what you need from loneliness and um, how um, you reconcile those feelings and what you search for for comfort changes. Um, to me, I relate with this very, uh, very deeply in that, uh, as a kid, um, I wouldn't say I was alone often. Um, I definitely like playing with toys, playing by myself, playing with family members and cousins. Um, but also learning how to, um, uh, be around others, learning how those things changed, uh, for myself, um, growing up. Um, I remember just being perfectly fine playing on the playground at a certain point in my life. And then I wanted more structure, playing sports, um, doing martial arts. Um, and then times of I just wanted to be separated from people altogether. Um, little things like that and learning that about myself throughout my life definitely um, gave me a different lens in which I saw Max, um, where he, at this point in his life, he is seeing um, the sense of togetherness and uh, love of of others uh, in a very specific way, uh, where certain uh, experiences, um, those feelings of togetherness and love were taken away from him. So naturally, he's looking for um, not just a way to fulfill that with others, but a way to feel secure, where it won't leave him anymore. Um, and I think that was a really interesting um, concept that permeated the entire story, uh, the entire movie, um, was really just what Max felt like um, being around others, his joy being around others, but also kind of the fear of um, loss and abandonment. And as a kid, those feelings are very heavy. Um, heavy to the point where there's just so much uncertainty with how you see the world where um, as an adult, we may see a lot of the things that Max goes through um, as things we can pass by. Um, whereas a kid, you don't know what is going to weigh heavy on you. Um, and I feel like Spike Jones captures that uncertainty, um, also paralleled with a sense of discovery um, with, with, um, with timid excitement. So there's a lot of times in the movie there that Max is very excited to be um, discovering and exploring. And um, then other times Max is very timid and shy. Um, and I think that plays very well with kind of the experience of children wanting to learn everything about the world around them. Um, but then when being confronted with something that's uncomfortable or something that challenges them, um, a lot of the fears and anxieties um, move to the front of how they experience the world um, and they shy back and they wait or they uh, lean on someone else uh, for emotional guidance or a way to navigate social situations. Um, and I feel like Spike Jones really captures that um, exceptionally well, especially through the lens of a child. Um, and I think seeing the way that Spike Jones um, puts the audience into the point of view of Max and keeps you there um, really hones in on kind of those two big emotions and those two um, conflicting ways in which you see the world. 
And as Max learns more about the world, um, and he goes into uh, the imagined world where the where the wall things reside, uh, that's his way of trying to make sense of things. Uh, that's Max's way of forming uh, parallels to relationships, parallels to things he's already experienced, um, but now kind of unlocking and um, unfolding different ways those relationships and those interactions with um, the ones you care about, how they change over time. Um, I feel like that is one of the uh, parts of the story that in the original children's book um, isn't very clear uh, for kids. It, it does serve a purpose far more for adults. Uh, but I think the way it's translated here in the movie, um, it's done so with uh, such um, such compassion for what it means to be a kid um, and such compassion for how to reconcile with those big emotions, um, whether they are attached to another person um, or whether they're just your way of uh, learning about yourself. My final takeaway um, is the way that Spike Jones um, directs this movie and he writes the, the journey of Max. Um, it all plays into this idea of learning about big emotions. Um, as kids, um, being happy is something that's very much encouraged. It's something that um, is encouraged either through um, your family or images you see in books and TV and movies um, or just in, in your general experience of the world. It's, always, it's often encouraged to be happy, um, whereas feeling angry, sad, alone, um, negative emotions, um, they aren't given this, the same priority. Um, it's one of those where as children grow up to uh, learn about those big emotions, um, they have to experience them and they have to learn to make mistakes through them. Um, and I feel like that is one of the um, most salient and powerful messages that Spike Jones threaded throughout the entire movie is that yes, like it's one thing to feel happy and to feel comfort and to be loved by someone. Um, but it's really the journey of uh, understanding the balance of, yes, those things can exist along with feeling sad and feeling alone. And maybe the sadness and the loneliness, uh, the source of those feelings is from the people who love you. Um, and that's okay too. Uh, so I often think about this as far as um, how... Um, I learned about negative emotions growing up and then in my time um, with students in education and how um, they learn about these things and then what adults can do to help them navigate these things. Um, and it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, I mean, I can admit as an adult, it's still very difficult to express myself, um, express negative emotions openly with certain people. Um, but I think the, really the best uh at least the, the, not, maybe not the best but the 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 ways in which i've seen the most success is um normalizing the idea that it's okay to feel these things normalizing the idea that it's okay to verbalize and talk about these things to put words to them um i think feeling these things is one thing uh but having any productive outlet or expression of these things takes time to develop um even to adulthood, I can say that I don't have it fully figured out yet. Um, but I think 
the ways in which I've seen things uh, play out with kids is that they're far more receptive and far more resilient to the idea of accepting and understanding and wanting to work through these emotions than oftentimes adults give them credit for. And the way in which Max wants to seek these things out um, is very reflective of what I feel like children are very capable of. And continuing on the idea that children are capable of things, um, parents love their children. Um, Parents will do anything for their kids. Um, But oftentimes the... Um, the connection that a parent will have with a child um, is something that they grasp on so rigidly um, that it interferes with their ability to kind of give them credit for wanting to work through these negative emotions um, and almost losing sight of what children have the capacity to do. Um, I think wanting to be overtly protective over your children is a natural thing for parents, right? It's a natural um, way in which you want to be there for them. Um, But also another way to be there for them and kind of what we learn in the story um, is that you have to let them do their thing and you have to give them the opportunity to learn how to reconcile and deal with these emotions. Um, It's not the idea that the uh, children are bad or children should be identified with any of these negative emotions. Is that we all have them and we all work through them in our own ways. Um, Some ways will be similar to adults. Some ways um, will be very different. And some ways children will just have to grow into. Um, And I feel like that is one of the uh, big takeaways of this movie as... Uh, Max's mom uh, wants him so badly to to be an adult, but also be a kid. And sometimes those things don't match up at the exact same at the exact right time, and it turns into a big conflict, a big fight. Um, and what Spike Jones um, ultimately does um, is he um, depicts the idea that tenderness and guidance and love through joyful and unpleasant moments um, are both equally important. Um, yes, there's going to be times of tension and a fight. Um, and sometimes you you do want to just power through and work everything out and um, make everything okay in that moment. Um, but there's times where you just need some space away from each other. Um, and learning how to find that space um, in a productive, healthy way is also another step of things. And that also definitely plays into Max's journey and understanding that he himself does not um, act in a vacuum, right? Where his actions have consequences. Um, so it's definitely um, a learning experience for both um, as they uh, do reconcile these bigger emotions and feelings. All right, uh, now let's get into the themes, the themes of the movie. Um, So how I like to structure my discussions about movies and films, uh, not only about my favorite things about the movie, but the themes, the lessons, the things that we take away from the movie, um, the things that hopefully we can learn and apply to our own lives. Um, So the first theme uh, that the movie 
seemingly opens up with uh, is this idea of play and imagination. Um, we see Max running down the stairs, falling down the stairs, um, paired beautifully with Carano's um, score, um, where it's just very hectic kinetic energy. Um, and it, it's really, it really puts on display that children do have an innate desire to explore uh, and to relate with the world through imagination. Um, in the very next um, more emotionally charged scene is a snowball fight. Um, all Max wants is someone to play with and his sister rejects him. Um, but he makes the best of it. He talks to himself and he orders himself around. He builds a snow, uh, an igloo out of snow. Um, and then he sees uh, his sister Claire's friends come over. Um, and again, he's being resourceful. He he takes in the environment, the situation, and he realizes, well, asking didn't work last time, so I'm just going to act. Um, so he starts a snowball fight with them. Um, he does so playfully, where it's very clear he's doing so with the intention of wanting to be around other people, not being confrontational in the sense of pushing people away, but bringing them in. Um, I feel like this is just a beautiful scene where it's a back and forth of throwing snowballs over a fence and then going into an igloo. And what does that igloo represent as far as um, not just being a snow cave, but uh, something that he built through his imagination. Now, what's interesting about uh, the snowball fight is that uh, Claire's friends, uh, Max's sister, uh, are definitely older, very clearly older than Max. Um, I would say they're either in high school or middle school. Um, and that's about the time when imagination and imaginative play uh, definitely fade, um, if not completely um, are n no longer a priority as far as how you socialize and what you do with uh, your friends and uh, what you do to pass the time. Um, so there is a bit of a disconnect in what is important to Max in this moment. For Max, um, it's being around other people and pretending that the snow is something else, something more than just throwing snow at someone. Um, to Clara's friends, it's um, my friend's annoying little brother and I'm going to throw snowballs at him because it's fun. Um, both are still forms of play. Uh, both um, do use a bit of an imagination, um, but definitely different purposes. Um, and tensions do arise because of that disconnect. So I do want to jump to the, another scene that's a little bit later in the movie. Um, but it parallels very well with the snowball fight, and that's the dirt clot war. Um, so there is a conflict with the wild things. Um, Max feels that Max feels that uh, Carol and KW are at a point where um, they're both competing for each other's affections, but that there's a, um, a third party coming in to interfere or interrupt. Uh, that would be Bob and Terry, the owls, naturally. Um, so Max, in his childlike genius and wonder, uh, decides the only way to resolve this conflict is through a dirt clot war. Um, again, very similar in uh, the, the physical concept of um, being on one side of um, a conflict and then literally throwing things at another person to um, either push them away or at least playfully have them understand where you're coming from. Um, the, the scene is beautiful. Um, it does start off with a little bit of tension, obviously, between um, Carol and KW. Um, but it does 
resolve itself in the sense that it organizes the wild things. It organizes uh, the tension between them um, and speaks to resolve things um, cooperatively through compromise. So they split up into teams. They get into a dirt clot war. Um, and just the way it's shot, it's just, there's just so much energy, um, where it very, it's very evocative of what it means to be a kid again. Um, yes, Max is much smaller than Wild Things, um, but the scope and scale in which Spike Jones plays out these scenes, you don't feel that. You feel that Max is experiencing this moment the same with the Wild Things. So as the Dirt Clot War continues, um, you feel that Max has an equal amount of influence or at least an equal amount of uh, role to play in the Dirt Clot War, whether that's um, directing what's happening, um, trying to cause um, or trying to propose a fake truce. Um, but then even the weight of certain emotional things that happen, whether that's hitting someone when they're not looking um, or teasing someone into um, coming out of their hiding space. Um, Max is very much on the same footing with the rest of the wild things here in this scene. Um, sadly, the scene does end with conflict. Um, as Carol falls, um, a wild thing steps on his head by mistake. KW sees this, runs into um, Carol, who's on the ground, and steps on his head on purpose. Um, the, the dialogue here is very... Um, it's very reminiscent of um how children would argue on the playground um one person thinks that it was an accident the other person thinks that it was on purpose um but both children do truly know what was at the core of the intention of what had happened um and yeah sadly it was on purpose um all this to say that the sense of wonder and imagination through play does change over time the the meanings change not just uh, within age, but also within the purpose of why you're doing something. Um, in the snowball fight, it was the idea of uh, togetherness and bringing bringing a group of friends um, closer together. Um, whether whether those friends were actually Max's, um, he was just alone and saw an opportunity to socialize. Um, with the third clot war, it was to bond and work through conflicts and negative feelings with other people, uh, people you care about, uh, both ending in very sad and de dejected moments. Uh, both of these scenes parallel each other in that um, this idea of what it means to play, what it means to have imagination, um, does change over time. Um, the meanings change, the purposes change. But it also changes depending on who you interact with, um, whether or not you agree on the purpose of play. Um, and how this fades over time as you get older, um, there is a bit of sadness and tragedy to this idea that um, we can't just bring up our toys and play um, action figures like we used to, or we can't just um, create a fort out of nothing, out of blankets, um, and have that bit of imagination, that loose imagination that's non-directive, right? Um, although the scenes are similar in that it's um, a pretend conflict, um, the Dirt Clot War was very goal-oriented, where there was, a, uh, there was a clear separation of teams, and there was a clear separation of, um, a clear distinction for who is going to be the winner. Um, and 
reflecting on the scene just in my own life um i do remember times as a kid wanting to play and not really have needing to have a goal um whether that was just jumping around in the playground um but then that changing over time whether that's through games like tag um or wanting to play sports um i i love playing basketball um and when i was seven years old i thought I was going to be a professional basketball player until I got older and I realized that there was a height limit and I couldn't um, I couldn't play in the structured way that I wanted to, but I still wanted to play basketball. Um, and then finding that again in college, right, where um, things just became open and fun. Um, you no longer really cared or desired um, what the outcomes were. I mean, it was nice to win. But ultimately, it was about um, just the physical act of being around others, right? And exerting yourself. Um, I think what was um, a really interesting point in my life as far as adulthood uh, was after college when I started working in, when I started working as a gymnastics instructor. Um, So I was a non-competitive gymnastics instructor uh, a few years after college. Um, It was mostly kids. between the ages of, I think my youngest group was one and a half. My oldest group was 12 or 13 years old. Um, And it was non-competitive. So we weren't goal-oriented in the sense that we needed to compete and um, win medals and win uh, certain standings. It was really just for children to have that physical um, activity in their lives, but also kind of learn the foundations of structure um importance of repetition importance of um importance of cooperation um and compromise um just understanding where you fall as far as what your athletic goals can and could be um and i think that really helped open my eyes to um almost the necessity of play and physical activity um, yes, in the movie, um, it's a depiction of togetherness and belonging with other people. Um, but I think the most, imp- the more important lesson um, that I pulled from this this idea of play and imagination is that we're never too old to have uh, this desire or want to express these things. Um, the devices or the avenue in which we do so does change over time. Um, but I think there is uh, something to be said about a healthy. Um, a healthy approach to wanting to physically exert yourself um, and what that means in a social context as far as uh, conflict resolution um, and being around others. So with that said, um, these scenes do definitely play on the idea of learning social skills, uh, whether that's reading body language or reading uh, the context of the situation, right? Um, and then how are uh, emotions and feelings um, expressed during those times. Um, yes, during times of heightened play, you feel like everyone's on the same wavelength as you and you just want to have fun. Um, but then it, just, it starts to escalate. And what happens when someone else isn't feeling that same way? In the dirt clot war, um, everyone was having a good time until KW stepped on Carol's head. Um, it's it's a very representative scene of, or just a representative concept of taking things too far, but also understanding um, the uh, the context of play and imagination. Um, that being said, this would be a nice transition to um, learning social skills, but then also learning how to read people and their feelings and emotions. 
learning about feelings and emotions um, and hurt feelings and comfort and being comforted. Um, the first thing I want to bring up is um, after the snowball fight, um, Max is angered. <laughs> he's he's raging. He's um, He goes to his sister's room. He brings snow everywhere and soaks the carpet, um, destroys crafts that he made for her, um, all the while just like feeling upset. And yet, more so out of fear that someone in his life that he loved, his sister, did something to him that clearly showed he didn't want to be, she didn't want to be there. So fear and love being taken away, being abandoned. And this is represented in the very next scene where Max... Um, reflects about what he just did to his sister's room. He's laying in bed. He's looking at um, all the things in his room um, that remind him of um, not just his imagination or wanting to play, but also memorabilia and pieces of things about his family. Um, There's a globe with his dad's name inscribed on it. So in this moment of reflection, um, now that he's able to separate himself and uh, cool down, he no longer feels strictly just angry. He feels sad. He feels alone. He feels dejected. Um, again, these negative emotions come um, are depicted so beautifully in a spectrum, right? Where you're never one thing for too long. Um, emotions fade. Um, but there are root emotional um, causes to a lot of these things. Um, in this case, his anger um, was the overt expression. But what he felt deep down and what was more lingering was the feeling of sadness and aloneness. Um, after this scene, his mom comes in the room. Mom sees that he's sad. She reads the social cues. She understands the context of why he's doing, of what could be the reason why he's this way. So they have a conversation. Um, Max tells his mom everything that went down. How Claire's friends destroyed the igloo. Um, and this this line in the movie was very telling of um, children being in tune with the world. Uh, but also parents kind of understanding and having empathy. Uh, Max looks at his mom and he says, she didn't do anything about it. Her response, I would have. Even though this bit of dialogue is uh, very short, um, just a few words and two lines, uh, it's very powerful. It's very resonant to this idea of feeling hurt feelings, being okay to have these hurt feelings, but also someone empathizing and finding a way to comfort you. So simply. Um, It really just shows the power of uh, the bond and love that a parent can have with their child. Um, that unconditional love of even if I can't fix it, I'm going to be here for you. And for Max to know that someone is just going to be there. Um, I think those are very resonant and powerful um, experiences that imprint onto the way someone um, lives and interacts with the people around them. And it's definitely a lesson for Max to learn how to empathize and care for others. Um, as much as we like to think that um, children have this innate f- idea of knowing exactly what to do in certain situations, um, this seems very powerful in that it sets up the rest of Max's interactions with other 
um, people and the wild things moving forward in the story. Um, Max opens the movie very just energetic, um, but it, this scene sets up where he learns this piece of empathy, this learns this way to communicate and comfort someone. And it plays out so well um, in the scene later on um, when Max's mom is at the computer. She's working. She's struggling. She's just stressed over a project. And Max enters tentatively. Um, he doesn't have the words exactly, just like his mom, but he understands the gestures and he understands the way that his presence can cheer her up. Um, he comes into the room. He does the robot. Um, but then as a kid... Um, Again, Spike Jones capturing that smallness. Um, Max goes under the desk and the point of view shifts to where now Max is looking up at his mom right under the top of the desk. Um, just the idea of Max looking up into uh, bigness, but just the idea also of Max trying to comfort someone, um, comfort his mom, who's physically bigger than him but understands the emotional vulnerability that she's displaying in this moment and remembering what that feeling was like and what it felt like for someone to be there for you. I think this is my favorite um, point of perspective scene in the entire movie. And it very much pulls you into the feeling of being a kid, being able to sneak into small spaces, um, only spaces that you can fit in. Um, but then also the the uh, this this uh perspective of the parent where um your child thinks they're hiding but you know exactly where they are um and it, in this scene it's not about conflict it's not about hiding from one another um it's being in someone else's presence the best way you know how um the scene continues where um max's mom asks for a story and Max starts to tell, uh, to weave this story um, to his mom, uh, very much using, using a childlike sense of imagination, where um, one idea grows from another and grows from another, um, sort of disconnected, um, but within the bounds of what it can be logically. Um, I just I feel like it just speaks so powerfully to this idea of um, stories being for kids. But then when a child uses a story for an adult um, as a sign of comfort, it, it's a reminder to the adult why these stories matter and why um, these moments matter. The, the context of the story itself, the, the choice of words and the, the direction of the story doesn't matter as much as the gesture. And it's just, it's just so evocative of just how I remember uh, my relationships. Uh, with family and loved ones growing up um, and being comforted. Um, I think just being a kid, um, one of the memories I had was I was sick often. Um, not anything serious. It was more just having the seasonal flu or ha catching a cold, um, primarily because I was probably just as active as Max. Um, and I would run outside, play in the dirt, not wear a sweater and just find myself getting sick or um, falling and cutting myself open. Um, but this is the idea that, yes, it, being sick um, and needing to be comforted does take time and effort away from anything an adult or parent could be doing, um, but they'll do it for you. 
And for me, um, the way I reflected on this scene is that there were always adults in my life that would be so readily available to want to show that sense of love, affection, and support, and caringness um, to me as a kid. And I think that's something that's always stuck with me, whether that were was my immediate parents, um, whether that was my grandma that lived with me, um, or any number of aunts and uncles who've spent time with me throughout my life, um, to even older cousins. Um, I mean, there were at least two or three times that um, I almost drowned, and yet I was pulled out of the water by an uncle. Um, and it was just one of those where just the, that comfort of having people around you all the time um, was something that stuck with me. And kind of the way I express that today with other people is um, being present, wanting to be supportive, um, but also kind of knowing the boundaries in which I can do those things, right? Because everyone does have a capacity um, that they can be there for other people. Um, for me, the way I see it is um, I will be completely present um, when called upon. So if I'm needed, I will be there 100%. Um, there are always people in my life that I will make sure to check up on. But I also understand this idea of giving space, um, letting people figure things out on their own, um, or even to feel negative emotions out on their own. Um, looping it back to the movie, it's very similar to what Max is going through, right? Where he doesn't understand um, where his place should be as far as um, wanting to always be around the, those, those he loves or separating himself from getting space and being alone. Um, and it's really in this journey that he figures out that balance, not just for himself, but also just to learn how to love someone, whether it's loving a family member or loving a friend um, or showing love. But throughout the majority of my life, and as far as my adult relationships, um, either with family members, aunts, uncles, um, even adults uh, in mentor um in, in mentorship roles, um, whether that was teachers, um, colleagues, um, or people that I felt were, uh, had my best interest, um, I always felt safe in the sense that, uh, well, maybe not always, it's a strong way, but the feeling of safety was something I developed and understood uh, the concept of when I was older, um, but definitely something that I can understand and even reflecting back on um, as a kid being something very difficult to understand, right? Um, where yes, there's, there's, uh, adults are supposed to be there to make you feel safe, but there are also very real life consequences to your actions. And sometimes, um, adults have to convey or express things in ways that either make, uh, to have you learn a lesson. Um, but they do so in a very intrusive and a very unpleasant way. And, those those cons those ideas do feel, um, or at least they can attach to this feeling of unsafe, of being unsafe around adults and being around the ones you love, right? Um, and with that unsafety, there's a sense of uncertainty where the world is so big and adults are supposed to be the ones that make sense of these things. Um, but all they do is cloud and they confuse things. Um, there's a couple scenes um, that blend quite well together in the way that Spike Jones decides to tell the story. Um, the first one's a very short scene. Um, it goes to Max being at school, and his teacher is giving a lesson on the sun and the solar system. Um, 
all the other students are uh, paying attention and listening and writing notes while Max is, is listening intently, but he's doing so in such a way where he's emotionally connecting with everything that he's saying. Um, the teacher goes on to say that the sun will eventually expand and engulf the earth and destroy the earth. But then he goes further to say that won't be for another few billion years. There's a number of ways the earth can end before then, whether that's famine or global warming or war. And it's this idea that sometimes adults unknowingly plant these seeds of uncertainty and doubt that shake the very foundation of safety that they're supposed to be providing for children. Um, This goes into um, one of the final scenes that Max has at home before he goes to see the wild things. Max is already shaken at this point, but he just wants to play. Um, So he calls his mom. No answer. He goes to look for his mom. He puts on his his suit. And he goes down and sees that his mom has a date um, over on the couch. And they're sharing wine, and they're sharing affections, they're sharing pleasantries. Um, To Max, this is a no. This is... You're intruding on my space, dude. Um, this is my mom. She only shows this affection to my sister and myself. I don't know you. You're a stranger. So Max, being the kid that he is, he acts up. He goes to the kitchen. He makes noise. He moves the chair loudly. Um, his mom asked Max to call his sister down to clear the table for uh, for dinner. There's her books and everything. Um, so instead of going upstairs to call her, he yells to do it. <laughs> and then he climbs on the counter and yells. Um, it's, it's a very, uh, it's, it's a line pulled directly from the children's, not, uh, children's book. It's a uh, feed me woman. And this just escalates and blows everything up. Um, Max then runs around the entire house and his mom, um, is embarrassed because she has a friend over and all, all this chaos is happening and Max is chased around the house. Um, so then Max's mom does catch him, um, but then Max bites her and she drops him and says, what is wrong with you? And Max is at an age where words like this hurt, where he sees his mom and not too long ago he was being comforted by her um but now he's being labeled as as this this thing this bad thing what is wrong with you such a powerful question she compiles it by saying you're out of control again labeling max something so um emotionally negative um Max being a kid, unable to really understand um, what any of this means. His only choice, his only option is to run away. So Max runs away. Um, The runaway scene is beautiful. Max leaves the front door and he goes through the streets. Again, uh, Karen knows music plays, um, very much matching the tone of uh, of chaos and uncertainty and um, and fear. Um, Just being fear of... Uh, not being loved anymore, um, but also your your heart is pounding. Like Max's blood is 
is is uh, pounding through his veins as he runs through the streets, and you feel that um, between the editing, um, between the music, um, even between kind of the the dimness of the streets with the lighting. Um, and Max eventually finds his way to his boat where he sails away to the wild things. Um, I want to jump to a scene later on in the movie where um, Max is already acclimated with the wild things and they're building the fortress. Um, one of the wild things, Judith, um, asks if Max is playing favorites. Max and Carol have a relationship. Um, they've explored many things at this point in the movie, but... Uh, Max is supposed to be the leader, the king of all the wild things. So for Judith, she sees this as um, playing favorites and almost a betrayal, seeing that one person can get their way simply uh, by being more close to the person in charge than anyone else. So this escalates. Uh, Max and Judith, they argue. They start to tease each other. Again, Max is just a kid. So the only way he really knows how to resolve this is to tease more, to escalate things, um, to mock and mimic Judith. Um, but this turns into a situation where Judith is sincerely upset to the point where she's angry now. The teasing stops. Judith says, your job is not to be upset back at us. Our job is to be upset. Again, this parallels the scene where Max is at the kitchen and... Um, after the conflict, um, Max's assumption of safety is that, yes, there is a disagreement, there is uh, a fight, but Max's mom is not supposed to say things um, like, what's wrong with you? You're out of control. She's supposed to be understanding. And yet, adults don't have a handbook for every single situation. Um, sometimes things happen. Sometimes uh, words get minced. Um, sometimes emotions take over and you say things that later on you regret, but in the moment, those are the only words you can find. And this is the lesson Max learns with this interaction with Judith. And I think back to times when I lacked this kind of situational awareness, right? Where um, I feel like something is going one way and I I respond thinking the other person's not going to be upset or the other person's the other person's going to be more relaxed and calm than i am right um i mean just being a kid poking and prodding other kids and turning into a fight um thinking back about this the scene um these two this pair of scenes um just like how i was as a kid i i was definitely very sociable um, I liked people in general. Um, but thinking back, I got into a lot more fights than I remembered, or at least that I cared to remember. And it was over very small things, whether that was um, teasing going just a little bit too far, um, taking toys away, um, or even just like searching for conflict, searching for fights, right? Definitely something I had to learn over time. But um, as a kid, sometimes you don't know how to resolve conflicts any other way than to escalate things. And it isn't until that point of escalation when you're hit very abruptly um, with that surprise, that shock that someone could respond so strongly back at you. You kind of have to learn the lesson that way. Um, Not in the sense that every kid deserves to um, 
be retaliated upon, right? Or if me as a kid, like I'm not saying that I deserved every single fight I got into, but sometimes the consequences aren't clear in the moment. And it's only after when you're able to reflect on them that you can learn and grow and resolve situations, similar situations in the future better in a different way with your words, with empathy. And it's really these social skills um, that underline what it means to be safe around others. Where if you do feel safety around others, where you feel comforted, you won't be thinking so much about how to learn conflict resolution. You won't be thinking so, um, you won't be prioritizing um, how to mentally navigate a situation with someone that you disagree with. Um, and as a kid, once that safety is pulled out from underneath you, um, sometimes the only way that you can learn how to resolve those things is the experience. And yes, adults should do better in trying to navigate these things carefully with children, with tenderness, with love and affection. But adults are human too. And I do want to call attention to the fact that um, adults do have their capacity and limits to how they want to socially interact with those around them whether that's their children, their family, their friends, co-workers, and also the background of people. For me, I spent much of my adult professional career in education. So I have a far greater depth of how to socially navigate situations now better than I did in my mid-20s, better than I did in college, better than I did um, in high school. For another adult to have this capacity of understanding that I have, they would have to have spent a lot of time in their life resolving and working through these things uh, through trial and error, much like I did. Um, Trial and error, and also very specific um, study, right? Not everyone has the capacity or the access or ability to practice these things and learn about these things. Um, That being said, words are damaging it's can hurt it's what you do afterwards it's how you reconcile it's how you meet in the middle um and find a way to forgive each other and find a way to learn and grow and i feel that spike jones was very much able to capture these very heavy emotional moments but also let you know as an audience member that it's okay to experience these things And it's okay to experience these things through a loved one because a loved one will always be there for you to work it out, to support you, to comfort you. Sometimes they'll be able to say it and address these things. Sometimes they won't. But I think what's most important is that Spike Jones was able to visually represent how this escalation can occur. But also the escalation isn't the end. There's... A calm, a point of separation, a point of reflection. Uh, this leads me into the next theme. That's, um, I feel like, the biggest thread in the entire movie. And it's uh, the idea of experiencing big emotions. Emotions like loneliness, neglect, abandonment, belonging, togetherness. And how best to be there for other people. So 
these in and of themselves are broader concepts and broader emotional experiences, not just specific to emotions, right? Um, they can be things that you, uh, moments that you place yourself in to feel these things. Um, but they are very, very complex. And children do understand when these things are happening to them. However, it is very difficult for them to express themselves, to put words to it, um, simply because they just don't have the words yet for it, um, or even the experience of um, how to communicate that to other people. The scene I want to point out is when Max um, meets the wild things, and he convinces them that he is the king. So the wild things, to me, represent a spectrum of emotions, a spectrum of things that Max has gone through throughout the movie. Um, Carol being the analog for Max. KW um, being the analog for Max's mom and Claire. So a, f a female figure that he attaches to that he loves. Um, Alexander um, being attention and neglect. So attention and neglect being two sides of the same coin in this instance. Judith and Ira um being representative of what it means to be in a relationship, um, having love for someone, the different ways to express love, romantic love. Um, the bull, um, he does not speak, but I do feel like he is um, omnipresent within all of their experiences. Um, he doesn't have a very big role, but I think the subtlety of him just being there, to me, represents... Um, a piece of stability that Max is looking for. Um, someone who does not speak because they're not there, um, being his dad. Uh, next we have Douglas, um, who's very reliable and dependable. Um, so what it means for someone to just be there for you. And then Bob and Terry, the owls, KW's friends. Um, I interpreted them as being new relationships and new people coming into your life. Um, how do you make room for new people? And how do you make room for new people within the group of people and loving relationships that you already have? So as Max um, introduces himself to the wild things and he gets to know them, um, one of the questions they have for him now as king is, what about loneliness? Um, they ask, what is he saying? Uh, will you keep the sadness away? Max replies, I have a sadness shield that keeps out all of the sadness and it's big enough for all of you. I thought that was just a very beautiful line and piece of writing um, for the movie. Um, at this point in the movie, Max is running away from sadness. He's running away from the idea of being alone. He's looking for a new tribe, a new home, uh, a new group of people to love him. And at this point, he only sees sadness and loneliness as being negative experiences, something to be kept out, something to be pushed away. He doesn't yet understand the importance and almost the necessity of having to experience these things. Um, the scene continues on and Max says um, he wants to live in a world without feeling bad. Just the idea is very powerful. Just being a kid and remembering times when I didn't want to feel bad when I made a mistake and all I wanted to do was to make that mistake 
um, to fix that mistake. But I didn't want to feel bad doing it. I didn't want to be told I was a bad person doing it. Um, I didn't want to have the label of feeling bad. Um, I think for me, how I learned and what I learned about um, these kinds of negative emotions and also the importance of learning how to separate yourself um, from people, not in the sense of wanting to be alone, but to reconcile and to make sense of these things is that it's okay to, to feel alone and to want to be alone. Um, sometimes being around people when you're very vulnerable or very sensitive at these times may not be the best thing for you. Um, oftentimes we think that we'll look to people for comfort when in reality it sort of compounds the situation or we're continuously thinking unclear when what we should be doing is reflecting on ways in which um, we can improve. Um, because ultimately we can't control anyone else's behavior around us. We can only control um, how we interact and respond to things, um, especially these big emotions of making mistakes and being sad and being alone. The next thing I want to jump to is uh, when Max talks about being labeled um, bad. Max and KW have a conversation um, after the wild rumpus, after this big celebration of finding a new family. Um, and the, the visual language that Spike Jones uses is, in a large pile of bodies with the wild things. And Max is underneath um, in a sort of cavernous space um, amongst all the wild things, and he's talking to KW. And this is where Max is reflecting now, where, yes, he's able to find this escape, this, this way to be happy, to push kind of the sadness away. Um, but ultimately, that sadness is going to be there still if he doesn't come to terms with it. Um, so Max tells KW that he, that he bit his mom. And he says, they treat me like I'm a bad person. KW asks, are you a bad person? Max says, I don't know. Um, this scene spoke to me in, in the sense that when I was working in this, a school setting, um, some of the strategies that we um, wanted to incorporate for children um, especially children with developmental disorders um, and special education is understanding labels. Um, understanding labels in the sense that labeling emotions and labeling experience is important. Um, labeling when you feel sad, when you feel happy, um, basic emotions, but also understanding that those labels do not define you. So if you are happy, you are not always a happy person. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay not to know how to do a math problem. That doesn't mean that you are angry. It doesn't mean that you don't know math. It just means you are in this present moment feeling this way. In this scene, it feels like Max is identified with this label of being a bad person. Yes, he bit his mom. And... That was an act of um, anger and aggression. And a simple label of being bad, of, of a bad gesture, um, was used. But now that's all he can think about. So when I thought about this scene, I thought about how children identify with those types of labels, how it manifests um, externally um, with their actions, with the way that they decide to cope with things. 
but also internally. And how they take these things, um, take these things with them long term. This is something that is a constant challenge for adults. Because on the one hand, there's the generation and era of adults and even people in my um, my generation who think, who use labels as shortcuts, who have used labels as shortcuts um, and who say they, they have turned out just fine. Um, which, to be fair, um, being a functional adult looks like many different things to many different people and perhaps having gone through those life experiences does have an impact in the way that you uh, develop as a person. But I think we've come to a point in understanding developmental sciences, education and psychology that we know these labels have an effect on children. To the degree to which they manifest themselves varies from person to person. But we do know that they do attach themselves to these words in some way or another. And on the one hand, I do want to say that sometimes adults just don't have the capacity or ability to make sense of things any any other way. But I also do think that taking a moment to reflect on how words affect and how the power of words is important. And that children are far more in tune and children are far more cognizant of what these labels mean than they are able to express. For me, I've worked through um, this idea of labels in many areas of my life um, without going into too much detail. Um, I've had my experiences with being labeled certain things. Um, and it really requires a lot of introspection and inner work um, to be okay to identify these things and say these things out loud. That being said, it's taken a lifetime. And luckily enough, I was in situations and environments that allowed me to unpack these things uh, as a kid. It's very understandable that going into your imagination to escape away is the only way to help make sense of these things. Because oftentimes adults don't always have the answers. And sometimes the, the way that adults respond is aversive and pushes you away further. I think Spike Jones captures very well that children do have the capacity to want to learn how to reconcile with these things. Sometimes they can do so in a way that aligns with the world in which adults have created, right? But in Max's case, the only way he could do it is to imagine a world that he understands best. This is how he escapes in order to learn and grow and reflect. And by the end of the movie, the lessons that I feel like Max has learned throughout all of this is that being a family is hard. Throughout all of Max's experiences, through his journey, he sees the conflict and chaos of emotions, about what they can do to you, how they can make you think and feel and react and express yourselves in the world. 
But he also comes to realize all these emotions do stem from someplace, someplace within him, but also very much in concert with the love and expressions and emotions that he's learned through his family. And at the beginning, he wants nothing more than a perfect world. Um, a conversation he has with, with Carol um, in Carol's um, imagined perfect world is he, Carol creates a model of uh, a city with all his friends where everything is perfect. Everything is, is set up exactly um, how he wants it to be. It's an idealized, no sadness, no confrontation world. And that's what Max wants. That's what all children want. Children want to feel happy. Children want to play. Children want to imagine a world in which they feel safe and secure all the time. But Max learns that being a family is hard. Being a family means compromise, means cooperation. It also sometimes means you have to share love with other people, with new people. I think Max does come to this conclusion and this lesson um, by the third act, in that when Carol um, wakes up and destroys the fort that they're all building, Max says, we all live here. But Carol responds, you were supposed to take care of us. And Max sees himself in this situation where all he can do is say, yes, I was supposed to take care of you. But also resignation and understanding the world changes, circumstances change. That doesn't mean bad things will happen. It means things will be different. But the thing that will always remain will be the love that he has for Carol. And I think what really stems is just this idea of um, having your space intruded upon where something changes and you no longer feel safe. Um, in this instance, it's Carol and KW, where Carol and KW are close, and yet KW wants to bring in new people into their life, Bob and Tara the Owls. Um, again, this parallels Max and his mom, with Max being um, a new boyfriend to their life. Obviously, Max still... Um, feels for his father, his dad. And he feels this is um, a betrayal, um, an intrusion upon that relationship. He doesn't know how to deal with it. But Max does eventually learn to make space for others. Um, it's very difficult for kids to grasp oftentimes. But through these experiences, through his imagination, through uh, the way that he contextualizes these big emotions um, and giving himself space to want to learn these things is I feel like how Max um, ultimately gets to that point of reflection, that point of being okay. There's a moment after the Dirt Clot War that Max is revealed to not be a king with all these magical powers. Um, so he escapes away. He, the wild things no longer um, feel safe or comforted to be around him. So Max escapes away by the cliff. Visually, this is one of my favorite scenes in that Max is overlooking a cliff. Uh, the seasons have shifted throughout the movie. Um, when Max first arrives, it's very warm, springtime, um, a new sun, a sun at dawn. 
Um, now contrasted with this scene, it's going into morning, but snow is falling. The sun isn't as bright. It's dawn. Max is at the cliff, and yet there's no sunshine. It's muted. All he sees is the water crashing down. And just this visual language of understanding that things change, seasons change. Um, the weight of emotions is heavy. It's real. Really help express how children reconcile with these conflicts internally. And ultimately, the conclusion Max um, gets to is that sometimes bad things happen and you can't fix it. As much as we'd like to live our lives in a way where um, the mistakes we made don't have these large effects or these uh, emotionally weighty uh, moments of introspection, oftentimes those are the moments in which we learn the most about um, ourselves and also how to treat other people. And yes, there's a weight to everything that's happening, um, everything between how Max feels in the moment to what the scenery is saying um, to the changing seasons to the change in textures all of this is necessary much like the seasons change the passage of time is something that we all experience and yes we would like things to stand still to sit with our emotions a little bit longer we do have to keep moving forward and thinking about this scene I, I do want to reflect on times when I felt like I've made mistakes, how I felt in the moment, what I've learned. Um, one memory does come to mind, being in elementary school. I must have been in third or fourth grade. And uh, we did have, we had free time in the classroom. Um, there was a hole puncher. And we had, um, the teacher left a stack of coloring sheets on the, her desk. And for me, the sensation of putting that stack of sheets into the hole puncher and punching it down as if I was punching a clock into work was just something I couldn't resist. And I kept doing it over and over while she wasn't looking to the point where I had hole punched somewhere between 30 and 60 worksheets um, that did not need to be hole punched. And I remember being on one side of the classroom my teacher finding the worksheets and someone telling her they saw me do it. And I couldn't lie at that point. I just felt awful. I didn't think it was something that was going to cause as much pain and frustration as it did. And yet, as soon as my teacher found it and responded the way she did, I knew I had done something wrong. And I think for me, reflecting back on it so many years later, I dealt with it the best way I could. And what that meant for me moving forward with, with people was, yes, you can make a mistake like that. But I think what's most important is you own up to your mistake and allow the person to feel however it is they're feeling. Because that will pass. And as long as the mistake isn't something that is irreversible, or completely ruin something, it's going to be okay. And I feel like that's a constant lesson and a constant work in progress, even in, as an adult, even today. Just the fear of making mistakes and the fear of being extremely careful around other people in, in, in any number of environments. So I do want to end on the final scene of the movie uh, where Max goes home. 
well, let me rewind. I want to recap kind of the, the scene in which Max leaves the island um, to his journey going home to see his mom. So Max is on the beach. This is such a beautifully shot scene where the, the salt spray um, is very visceral. It feels like you are there on the beach. Um, all of the wild things minus Carol are there to see Max off. Carol is in his workshop with the broken uh, model city. And then he sees on the ground a um, heart that Max made, signifying to Carol that as out of control and as angry as Carol was, Max still loves him. So Max races to the beach. And Max is in the boat. The boat starts to set sail away from the beach. Carol can't find the words. He's He knows he needs to be there. He knows he needs to somehow let Max know that he's sorry, and that everything is going to be okay. But just like kids, sometimes they can't find the words. Sometimes they don't know the words because they, they're, for whatever reason, they're overcome with emotion. They just don't have the capacity to think about the words in that moment. But Carol lets out uh, a howl. Max responds with a howl and all the wild things howl in chorus. I thought it was just a beautiful scene of, um, again, being a kid and wanting so bad to express yourself, but really just not having the capacity or the words or the understanding of how to do it, but finding a way to do it the best you can. So Max sails home and he runs in the streets. Uh, he approaches his house and he slowly goes through the door, walks in the hallway, and he sees his mom. And his mom hugs him. His mom collapses in a hug around him. She pulls back to see him. She has no words. There's nothing to be said. But there is a look that says, I'm sorry. I can do better. Parents do the best they can. At times, parents feel like they are completely in sync with their children, that they know them in and out, that they can read every moment and everything that they're doing. But then there's sometimes where they're just completely disconnected, and that feeling can be extremely weighty and extremely hard for a parent. And it's really in that idea of letting your kid go to figure it out on their own that it's just so hard for parents sometimes. And I get it. But this entirety of the story is that Max is an imaginative, capable, loving, emotionally in-tuned person with much thanks to the love that he received from his mom. And that Max just needed to find a way to learn in the best way he could. And that's hard for parents. And I get it. But when Max's mom sees that he's okay, no words need to be said. Max's mom knows that he's okay. And Max sees in her face that she's sorry. I think that brings us to a close on uh, the episode. Um, yeah, like I said at the very beginning, this was a lot like therapy. Um, a lot of reflection on what it meant to be a kid. Um, a lot of my time and education and just a lot of time thinking about how adults grow into the mindsets that they develop 
but then also kind of just doing the best you can with trying to meet a child, your child halfway, meeting them where they're at. Um, it's an excellent movie. And again, all the praise in the world for how Spike Jones was able to expand on this children's book with such emotional depth, groundedness, an expression of love and compassion between a parent and their child. That's a wrap on 2005's Where the Wild Things Are. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe, like, click the bell to receive notifications for the next episode, and leave a comment. You can also find the Film Cafe podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or your preferred podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at Film Cafe Podcast. For the inner child in all of us, our imaginations to sail away to where the wild things are. This has been the Film Cafe Podcast. <laughs>